Blog Talk Radio. Go ahead, pop off, me and my click put on. I'm like a young man, I'm here to get your bitch off. Like I'm just playing, little finger to the big ball. Man, aka police, cause I'm over your head like you saw. Kill these niggas, that's no job. Kill these niggas, no job. That chopper body like horse squad, I can't see you shot them like your car. Don't leave out for that shit loud. It ain't mine if that shit not. Ladies hate when I rip through. They ain't love for this day bye. Like now. Say hello to my python. I'm seeing punk with that mic up. She go to sleep with my python bomb. Women, let that be her influence. Niggas be Curtis Axel. So my rappers like Kurt and then. And then, don't it? I'm such a charmer. Come crown it. Not talking whip. I'm thinking Lawler. Cause I'm royalty. But we talking cars. It's not a problem. Just bought you big bodies. Call them Kamala and Lumaria. Right out. Hello, listeners. Uh, this is Shane from the Barbershop Window podcast, a podcast where we waste uh, everybody's time, the host especially, uh, where we talk about wrestling, professional wrestling, that is, not amateur high school wrestling. That would be rather creepy. Uh, MMA and uh, all things that... Uh, you know, the typical 34-year-old uh, unmarried losers uh, like to discuss in their studio apartments uh, alone or with a reliable group of friends that don't call into the podcast. Um, I think we're going to start out with uh, the obvious things you might start out on a Tuesday night, and that's uh, WWE Raw. Perhaps we'll get into some TNA Impact that was on the previous Friday. And the typical gossip uh, of the pro wrestling world, which is uh, bountiful, as always, uh, never a shortage of uh, uh, fresh gossip and news to discuss. And uh, I believe my uh, loyal, uh, uh, you can call him late for uh, supper, just don't call him unreliable, uh, JB has a signed on to the podcast. Uh, JB, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hello, everyone. Hello, Shane. Am I the first one on? Yes, yes. Probably the, actually, maybe even the only one on. Amazingly <laughs> so. We'll, we'll see. It might be a sparse uh, audience tonight. But um, uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll have some nice uh, guest callers that uh, we can be right. And uh, uh belittle them so we feel giant about ourselves. Um, so we'll see. Who knows what like tonight will bring. Like any good podcast would do. Sure, sure. Like any good person would do. Uh, right. Of course. JB, uh, there's so much stuff to uh, follow up on this week, just looking at my long itinerary of um, and uh, a talk sheet of uh, topics to discuss. But one of the things that uh, you turned me on to recently, which is a show that I haven't been uh, very into at all. I guess they they might even be on the third season now. I'm not particularly sure. But it gets a lot of credit, not only from the wrestling community, but the non-wrestling community, which is the way I refer to everybody in normal operational life you're either in the wrestling community or out of the wrestling community but regardless that show is total divas uh jb 
And uh, now, from what I understand, you're a big fan of this show, probably because you live with a woman, correct? <laughs> that has something to do with it, yeah. That doesn't hurt. But, uh, yeah, I, I find it uh, very entertaining. Uh, more, more more times than not, more entertaining than Raw Week. And, um, yeah, we were uh, we had a discussion on it earlier today. Um, <clears throat> you're just catching up, I hear. I'm catching up, but I wouldn't, I'd say, to describe my efforts as catching up as very lackluster in a sense of I'm I'm not trying to catch up. And uh, we've actually commented on the podcast before that there is a uh, somebody out there. Now, this might shock you. There's somebody out on uh, in the Internet uh, interwebs that's a little creepy. And this uh, deviant miscreant uh, splices up the uh, all the um, the Total Divas episodes and uh, just takes out the the parts with Paige and puts them into one um, uh, disgustingly indulgent Paige centered. Uh, episode of Total Divas, which is just Paige's appearance, which usually makes for like a 15-minute uh, viewing on YouTube. You remember when we discussed that, right, uh, JB, right, big guy? Absolutely. It was uh, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as I'm making fun of this um, devilish individual, this is exactly, this was like made for me, because that's all I want to see. I'm, you know, particularly interested in Paige. And that alone, even her friend, like uh, on the show, that uh, uh, Alicia Fox. Uh, right, yeah. Who's the other her one? Friend, Jim? Right? Her friend, yeah, the crew. What do they call themselves? You, well, you it, it makes me cringe. Anything else, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. But who's the other one? The 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 other broad. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Rosa Mendez she runs with every once in a while. Yeah, that's it. That it's exactly it. But they they hang out and they think that, they think they even have some cute name for each other, like their clique, like uh, right. like the thing that like frat boys do or whatever. But regardless, JB, I was very saddened uh, and dismayed to uh, get the revelation that uh, Paige has a boyfriend. Um, on the show, and yeah, I'm sure I, anyone uh, who's a fan of wrestling who watches that show was quite disappointed to learn. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, for me, it was heart melting um, just to realize, and it's so funny how um, warped and deranged like the the human male mind can be. Like somewhere in my, I I logically on every instance understand that I don't have a chance with Paige, okay? Just for so many different reasons. But yes, a little part of my brain gets upset when I find out she has a boyfriend, which is insane behavior. Like, like, Like there's still a part of me that dies inside when I find out she has a boyfriend because I still think there's some shot, there's some chance that I'm going to one day get with Paige and her having a boyfriend at time A is going to somehow affect me from getting with Paige at time B or whatever. It's it's insane thinking. I mean, that's one way to go with it. But uh, another thing that was quite interesting uh, about her boyfriend 
Well, he was he's kind of a fat loser, right, JB? Is that uh, <laughs> that sort of what we we ascertained from the show? Uh, well, he was he was very uh, he seemed like a very emotional type of guy. Uh, I don't uh, know if that's a little emo, like a hipster, emo hipster. Yeah, <laughs> like a cool, a cool, a cool artist. Like, yeah, like yeah. a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> this I also is the most annoying like, like, person in the, the world. Yeah. Line of thinking of, uh, you know how you uh, like. There's no chance you're going to go with her, but you think, oh, it's terrible that she's dating somebody. Uh, <clears throat> she. Um, Jim. Jim, I think your phone might have uh, cut out, uh, which is unfortunate, but that's okay. And I'll just uh, pick up where you left off until um, uh, you call back in, because Lord knows uh, what you were going to say was probably unbelievably predictable. And uh, that was that uh, uh, that character, I believe his name is a uh, is is a uh, Bradley. Um, you know, they they go through the trials and tribulations uh, during this. And these are just um, some things I ascertained from uh, just a two or three minute video clips that I watch on YouTube. But they went through, um, uh, they they went through uh, sort of, I don't know if it's a full-fledged breakup, but they eventually have this blowout, this fight uh, on TV. And one of the things that's so funny that Jim and I, who I believe he's back on now, that uh, uh, Jim and I were discussing. Hey, hey Jim. Uh, hey, little uh, data plan problems there, Jim? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if you want me to finish the thought real quick, was just that. Um, yeah, please, please. Because I always think I was skipping ahead a little bit. Um, yeah, to, well, just to further like down the plot than I wanted to. Like, you know. Yeah being upset that she's dating somebody. At the same time, I'm sure you, as well as myself, and our little negative commentary on this guy, I mean, we were both, like, like looking for a reason to shit on him on every, at every turn, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and probably both of us were also sort of sizing him up in like a very right. grade school yeah. way. Like I could I could beat this guy up if it if it really came down to it. If Paige, you know, uh if we, we met on the street and Paige uh, asked her boyfriend and me to fight for her love, you know, I'd have a pretty good shot. <laughs> um you know, both of those things happening. But Jamie, you also mentioned that you sort of respected Paige because she didn't go after a wrestler, right? Well I think uh I, I feel like that uh well i mean i was i i saw you know in the future scenes at one point that she was going to be like, kissing somebody or dating somebody i was like oh i wonder what wrestling because <laughs> that's what i would just assume right right these carnies do like, yeah as they're on the road they just like, <laughs> which if you watch old divas is like the case with every one of these divas they're always dating some wrestler or, you know or, or used to date is it really except is it like everyone except her um well you know the bellas obviously um, and then the uh, there was a, an Alicia Fox Natalia, line. Naomi. Natalia. Who did Alicia I? Who Fox did Alicia Fox date? Face? Wade Barrett. That's hysterical. Yeah, I really, never. Was. It's, very, it's actually very funny on the show. But, That's uh, really really funny. I mean, I don't know how 
that I think Alicia Fox is very pretty. I think Wade Barrett is is ugly. Not that I know anything about the male physique. <laughs> Plus, Alicia Fox is is black and Wade Barrett's white, which is weird. I'm kidding, <laughs> right. people. But uh, um, but that seems like a very weird couple. But is the point is is Alicia is um uh is Paige like the only one not dating? A wrestler on the show because that just like makes me like her more. Dates yeah. or whatever, but most of them always, yeah. There's always some, some, you know, other wrestler or something like that that I can think of off the top of my head. Anyway, JV, I gotta watch this show now. It's a this, this Alicia Fox Wade Barrett um, love story so, really intrigues me. Well, it was actually it was actually I mean. I, the other thing with this show, I'm telling you, like half the stuff on the show is a work, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, but I guess the Alicia Fox, Wade Barrett storyline, you would be you would be pretty entertained by because they're, they're, well, they used to be. And then the whole okay. show is about how he got back from being injured and she, like, can't deal with him being around because she still loves him and all this stuff, which they could have very well just made up, I mean, knowing WWE. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get the feeling, like, like the, I just see like how the Bellas like just happen to be into, the, you know, one of them happened to be into John Cena and Daniel Bryan, who Daniel Bryan sort of fell out to peak, but they just happen to be into the most over guys at the company, at that one time, you know, like they, those relationships seem like incredibly transparent to me. And then Bree married Daniel Bryan, right? Yeah. Like God, yeah. like. I, I, I give that relationship what like another six months. Like, how long do you think that could conceivably last? I, you know, when it seems like she's married to Daniel Bryan, and there's absolute studs, gorgeous, <laughs> shiny buildings of men in the locker, like Fandango or Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, she's gonna go after Daniel Bryan. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, I mean, they they seem to have similar interests, you know. Like the environment, is that it? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. She was really interested in someone who was into the environment. I believe was one of her quotes on the show. Which, um, you know, I, I mean, this all sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so 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 this actually throws our conversation into the deep end, though. It opens another layer. Do we think that Paige Bradley thing could be a work? Because then I, I'll sleep much better tonight, knowing that I. My, I have a better chance with Paige now. <laughs> she was right. never well, romantically involved with anyone. The, you were getting to the end of the, the storyline there, where uh, you can you can sleep better because even if it wasn't her work, they uh, they they kind of broke up at the end there. They did. Yes, that was the end of the story. Um, and uh, well, there was a few funny things about what I saw. But JB, at the end of the storyline, did they actually break up? I I kind of got that feeling. I mean, it, it they. I don't know if it was really all that official, and I don't actually really remember <laughs> completely. But um, right, the I mean, me watching as a man watching another man who's been in that situation many a time. I mean that it, right. you know, just <laughs> yeah. goes to show. Uh, it doesn't matter how hot it goes. Uh, eventually, they all run out. Oh course. yeah. <laughs> so the and scene that I watched by the end of it, he had. It. His off switch flicked off, I mean, so quickly. 
And, I mean, just his mannerisms, the way he was behaved, I could identify with him so intimately, like, in his little moment of disgust and, like, finality. Just, like, like I understand that moment so succinctly when he just looks at Peyton and he just shuts off and says, yeah, I can't deal with this anymore. But the, the whole scene was, I guess, uh, Paige, uh was there to meet Bradley's parents, his mom and and his sister. Number one, Paige's behavior really from the beginning was pretty annoying. Like, like there's nothing worse than having a girlfriend or even a newish girlfriend that kind of embarrasses you in front of your mom that does like these stupid things. Like he's driving and Paige is like hitting him in the shoulder like, these little playful things, they're just, like, embarrassing. Because if you know, like, the, the, even the mom is thinking, bitch, leave my son alone. Like, like it's embarrassing <laughs> on so many levels, like, when you're just in that circumstance. And you can tell she's one of those, you, you know, just like that person that's way too overly playful and obnoxious around the parents. Number Number two, the whole fight started because um, uh, his Bradley's sister had let out that Bradley had been married before. Which, I mean, the first thing you think, of, this guy's an idiot, um, but that's beside <laughs> the point. But the first, the, the, another thing that I thought of is how terrible sisters are. As, as, a, as a middle child between two sisters, how terrible sisters are in relationships, they just destroy everything. Like you can't let like your girlfriend and your sister in the same vicinity or just the, just every creepy you, for some reason, you know, if your sister, you're not a sexual being. So every creepy story that ever came out in your past is going to come and just, it's going to be told to your, your girlfriend at that time without any hesitation. It's like the most awkward, horrible, like sisters are our relationship hell. That's point number two. And number three was, yes, so Paige throws this big fit about him being married and about how I'm not telling his mom that they're moving in together, like right in front of Bradley's mom. And you just see Bradley's face. And the loveliness and beauty of Paige is just automatically sucked out. He can't even see it. All he sees is some wailing, annoying banshee poking him in his arm for eternity, you know, screaming to, to, to bring home more milk on the way back from the office. And, he, and, and you just see his face just collapse and his dreams. And he cannot wait. <laughs> He's counting down the seconds till he never has to see Paige again. And uh, it, it was it, 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 uh, it, it was just a great uh, episode, or not even episode, just a little five minute clips I saw and gave gave me a little uh, 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 you know idea. And I, now I'm very curious about why the Wade Barrett Alicia Fox relationship didn't work out. So I might have to watch this uh, Total Divas show, Jim. Yeah, well. Uh couple of things. I mean, the, my favorite part of that is just the, um, yeah, there's that moment where he's just done and then it's like... And you can you can <laughs> see that moment. Like, you can yeah. pause it and you can see in his eyes that moment 
when he's already uh, went through the steps of breaking up with her, in his mind, it's done. Like, <laughs> like it's right, just like there's over. a moment and there where he said to right himself, there. like, what have I done with my life? And how am I going right. to do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then yeah. uh and then the other funny part of it is like she's still going on like nothing's changed, but things have very much yep. changed. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, In one person's mind. <laughs> very right, JV, very much. This is a whole different cuz in his mind he's already broken up with her and he's just playing in his steps like okay, how many conversations is this going to take till I'm really done with her? Like in his mind it's over. And she, and, and she's still rambling on like a chicken with their head cut off, like ridiculous. <laughs> oh, and then the other part, the well, the funny part I thought of that you got to watch the Alicia Fox Wade Barrett thing. Uh, I'll give you a spoiler mm. here, but they oh, so eventually she I confronts love him. Because, yeah, yeah she confronts him because she needs closure or whatever, and then he comes back, which almost makes me feel like it was a work. He comes back with this like very reasoned why he broke up with her thing and. You know, he'd love to be friends, and it was like very, like a very nice presentation of himself, <laughs> right? And like how, like the how? other thing is, the only thing is though, maybe it isn't a work because he's so used to delivering bad news. Oh, oh Jamie, you came full circle there, and I love it, Jamie. Yeah. In, in the in the barbershop window podcast, kayfabe is still alive. Let's just say that. <laughs> Well, JB, let's uh, take a little divergence here as we talk about um, this uh, scripted, unrealistic uh, reality show to uh, more believable uh, professional wrestling. And uh, one of the things that I think would be apropos on a Tuesday night is to jump right in to the uh, hangover that is Raw is War. And... Uh, um, just a general feeling about the show from last night. If you have to give a general reaction, uh, what would you what, what would you say about Raw's Raw's War? Um, <clears throat> well, I thought an appropriate start to a podcast after Monday Night Raw is to talk about a, a two month old episode of Total Divas because it was uh, right kind of lackluster. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I you know I kind of was excited at the beginning because the uh, you know you like that England crowd you know uh, crapping on Cena to start off the show and uh, but eventually sure. like we saw with the Raw that kind of runs the runs its course and then uh, we're dealt dealt with the um, the leftover three hours that are coming up and um, mm. it was it was okay I mean the, the Michael Cole was back that was. Uh, Awful as usual, and uh, I don't know. I, I can't stand doing the crapping on WWE thing because everybody on the internet does it, every podcast does it. So I almost don't want to do it, but it's, it's well deserved. I mean, you know, we're after WrestleMania, and we're just Rollins Orton match is the main thing, and the, I, I mean, everyone knows what's going to happen there. I'm pretty sure we're going to get a second or third Rollins Orton match after that, and Rollins will keep the title until you know whenever. So. Um, it's a. Uh, it was pretty, pretty awful overall. That was my take on it. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, and I totally sympathize and understand with the whole everybody craps on WWE because it's true. It's just completely a like apparent. Um, 
you know, you and I actually did not crap on WWE after WrestleMania, and I think we give it its just due um, in the podcast we have when it's when it's appropriate. I, I really believe that. I don't really shit on WWE all the time. That being said, and you know that phrase was coming after I just complimented WWE. This <laughs> show was so bad, like. The WWE product at this point, like, I really was thinking on Monday night, like, why am I watching this? It's not advancing any storylines. I could turn into Extreme Rules and know, you know, the pay-per-view at the end of the month, the thing that the storylines are supposed to be leading up to, and not be confused. I know what I'm seeing. I wouldn't miss anything on these Raw episodes following up to the pay-per-view. So much, I mean... I didn't even watch, and I caught it, you know, in a, in a clip later. But the let's put it this way: What do you ever turn off a a drama or a sitcom in the with five minutes left or ten minutes left? Never, of course. I didn't even watch the last twenty minutes of Raw because it was just <laughs> so boring and such a waste of time. But that's just my opinion. Like, uh, I. Like, like there's, there's, it's the cliche thing to kind of keep, keep shitting on Raw for the sake of shitting on the WWE and oh, you hate the product that you tune in to watch it every week. But this kind of, this kind of stuff, the past two weeks of Raw, you know, or the Raw since WrestleMania, makes me not want to watch. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, and I'm gonna uh, credit to an alternative, not a Monday Night alternative, but a different. Um, company than than WWE later in the podcast, but I just think that the the um, the product right now is deplorable on on at least the you know the product that they're showing on on Monday nights. I think it's really bad to the point where I don't even want to tune in. And they just once again you know they just have everything hung up. I think the major storylines hung up on these part-time wrestlers like Brock, like Sting, you know, which is a weird name to give, but he's a large part of WrestleMania, like The Undertaker. All of these, you know, wrestlers that the, the fans are in love with or that have some of the major annual yearly storylines story hinge upon, and then they have nothing left for these shows where they were literally, during Raw, just having these random eight-minute matches, like very random, like, Dean Ambrose and Adam Rose, like where did that come from? So I'm I'm just confused about the overall uh, product right right now. And Jim, we have a, a caller on the line. Uh, let's welcome uh, the caller. Let's see who this is. Okay, state your name and where are you from? Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Rod from Bmore. How you guys feeling? Good, Rod. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Rod? How's hey, it going? Man, it's uh, just- been a while. It's been probably about I'm a year guessing, since I called in. Yeah, I'm guessing you might have called in because uh, you didn't hear my comment about Alicia Fox and Wade Barrett earlier. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I that's good. That though. You got fill me in on that one. Fill me in on Alicia, Alicia Fox, man. What's going on with Wade Barrett these days? You have some bad news for me? No, no. Are you telling me you have some bad news for me? <laughs> well, you know they they used to be an item, right? No, I kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, Rod, we're on the same page. I didn't know that either. 
And Jim sort of dropped that knowledge earlier in the podcast. So I, I had no clue. But uh, apparently oh, on Total Divas, one of the angles, they, they, they had broken up and were very awkward around each other for like a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. About, All right, what's on your mind? What, what what topic can we uh what do you have a question or a point so, of discussion? What what do you want to say? I so I, I missed a, I missed a, a good bit of the podcast. So I, I mean I'm just getting in, but I want to call in because this past No, week's thank God. Raw, thank God. <laughs> this past week's raw was crazy to me for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I got to start with what I believe is the cream of the crop. And that was the match with uh, 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 Dolphin Neville. I don't know if you guys have covered that already, but I just thought that match was phenomenal. Um, and then Sheamus came out looking like, I don't know, some sort of like electrified Irish duck red blazing hair. I don't know what's going on with Sheamus these days, but, you know, he came out and, like, to me, the, the attack that he did on Dolph, the blows are so stiff, you know. I kind of, I kind of feel sorry. It reminds me like throwbacks. Forgive me if I'm not be sacrilegious, but it reminds me of Chris Benoit in those chops and, and Chris Benoit style. Like it's just a very like straight shooting kind of stiff, you know. Hey, buddy, you know we're trying to work here. Kind of approach that I think Shemis has sometimes. And the match that Dolph and Neville had, if they could continue to do matches like that and kind of throw in some of your stiffer components that, that a, a guy like a Sheamus or maybe some of the other guys could bring to the table as opposed to the bull crap, I hated it, style that Rock had. I hate the – I love the Rock's persona. I hate his style. I mean, all of the extra shaking and hype that he does before he does every freaking movement. It's annoying as hell. But uh, I just – I don't know, man. I, I wanted to just bring that up. And, and, and kind of start there and get to – I wanted to hear your take on that. Do you think that's maybe the new direction that they're going? Or is that like a fluke, never happened again? Or what, what, do you think it wasn't well received? What do you guys think about that match? Um, no, Rod, I'm actually right there with you. I'm surprised you liked the, the Seamus look and feel and, like, his return as much as you did. But I understand where it's coming from. Like, Seamus does yeah. work that – um. Yeah, Seamus works that strong style, almost like yeah. um, like you could throw him in a New Japan match almost. And I think he yeah. fit in pretty well as like, yeah, yeah. Like I could see him as like the bad luck folly of the Bullet Club, something like that. Um, yeah. But I have to agree with you. I'll, I'll throw it to Jim. I thought the, the Dolph-Neville um, match was great. I really like the way Neville works. Um Usually with those high flyers, they get a little too fast and crazy, and they, you don't know what's going on in the ring. But mm-hmm. in this particular, Neville has this almost like slow, methodical, like pace where he's like, like, like not like he used rest holds, he used a headlock, not a whole lot of activity in between his moves. But when he hits those moves, he, he hits them. And it yeah. really and and it's just like he brings such a different energy from like that typical, like Evan Bourne or or crazy sort of cruiserweight. And I think they have something there with him. Yeah, yeah, Jim, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think uh, well, it's good that Rod kind of brought up because we were pretty negative on the product, but um, you know, one of the bright spots <laughs> right. of the show. Um, 
Right. Uh, and Neville is really good. I mean, we've seen him in NXT. He's just he's very good at put on a match. Um, I'm surprised actually how strong they booked him to this point. Um, yeah. It's kind of one of those you expect the worst with WWE when these developmental guys come up. But um, yeah, you know they gave mm-hmm. him a huge entrance. They you know gave him gave him Rollins now Ziggler. Um, even though he's losing these matches, I don't think that's that big a deal. People go crazy about sometimes these young guys losing matches. I mean, he's in there with the champs having a great match with Ziggler on Monday, stealing the show for Rod. So it was uh, it was, uh, it was a good match. Um, I, I, you know, the negative part of it is, you know, you comment on Raw generally. I mean, this match basically means nothing in the, yeah. in the overall show and Extreme Rules. I mean, well, they set up the Extreme Rules match with Sheamus and Ziggler. But um, I said, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Sheamus um, – I'll be interested to see where they take this heel run because obviously what they were doing with, before with him with the fella and all that stuff was going nowhere. So mm-hmm. at least this is a new direction, and I hope it kind of works out for him because, again, we have to watch him every, every week for a good amount of time, I imagine. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, no, that's a good point. You brought up about that. If he were losing, I think you make a great point, Jim. If he were losing to, like, I don't know, uh, heat, heat Slater, you know what I mean? If, if Neville was losing to some no-name dude or Fandango or something like that, that wouldn't be so great. But like like you said, you know, you got he, he's being in the ring with, with some of their top names right now, some of their top young talent. And I was kind of nervous about him winning against Dolph personally. I, like I was watching it and I was on pins and needles a little bit because Dolph, Dolph is good enough, I think. I mean, I don't know the guy personally, but Dolph seems like the type of guy that will, first of all, take a hell of a bump for anybody. He will take some crazy bumps and make you look like the strongest person ever. And then, you know, I think that he's not opposed to putting a guy over. But is it really believable for a former champ? I mean, you know, the Vicky era when he had the belt, you know, like can, can an NXT dude come up and, and just, you know, first, second time out in the, in the big big leagues, you know, beat a guy like Dolph. I'm glad that they had a nice back and forth. I'm glad that it kind of showcased a lot of the strengths and the styles that the two brought. And although they were in England, and that's why I thought it was going to, you know, that's why I thought he was really going to win because they were in the home country or whatever. But him, Dolph pulling it out, you know, the crowd still loved him. The crowd still loved Neville. It was a... It was a high point for me, man, because sometimes Raw, SmackDown, you know, like recently I've been very much into MMA just because I've been kind of disillusioned with the product. I understand they're very different. I got it. You know, I I, I know what I'm dealing with here. But even, like, I need you to make me believe it. Like, make me think you want me. You know, like, sell me the fairy tale. You know, like, keep me involved in the loop. And sometimes I just feel like they really drop the ball with major angles. Um, in major, major directions, and so I don't know. This was a bright spot for me. Yeah, I'd like to see them do more of. Uh, you know, you brought up a really good point before because we're going to see this wave of talent get called up through through NXT. I think it's inevitable, it, not only for Raw, but especially now that um, SmackDown is going to be on USA. So you yeah. got to think NXT is really going to suffer. They're going to be pulling talent and trying to place, you know, on two good shows on the USA Network. At least I hope they do. 
Um, yeah. And you're, it's going to be interesting how they book these NXT guys. Like, the way I got to feel, sort of like how um, Charlotte lost to Natalia. like, NXT is great, you can be an NXT champion, but that's not the big leagues, and you should lose to even a WWE jobber in two, yeah. a two-minute match. Yeah, like, like I think that's how they booked it previously. I don't know. I'm sure there's some counter examples, and now they're giving them more, the newcomers at least more of like an equal footing. Like Lucha Dragons won their first two matches. Bo Dallas had like an undefeated streak, and I, 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 and I like that. You know, you like I do like that, and I wouldn't mind. You know, there's like um. Like, we're talking about how they had these matches on Raw that were sort of out of the blue, you know, like, out-of-nowhere type matches that were just in the middle of the the, the show for no particular reason with no storyline around it. That's um, and I wouldn't it. mind seeing that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, very weird. Yeah, I, I mentioned that before. Just, uh, like, they were doing these weird matches. And I don't mind that if the work is good. You know, if the actual work rate is going to make up for the lack of sports entertainment. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's really got to deliver then, like like those matches. Yeah. Jim, what do you think? Yeah, well, yeah. <clears throat> those matches are a lot of filler. But then, I mean, you get, when you talk about the NXT guys, there are certain NXT guys that they actually have something planned for them. And then there's guys that, uh, they bring up basically because they just have nothing really to give developmental anymore, and then they are going to make them sink or swim at the next level, like the Ascension, for instance. Um, so, you know, it really depends what they think of those guys. I, I was I was scared that they were just going to think Neville was small and they just put him in a little high flyer uh, corner and not really do much with him. But he's been he's been good so far. We'll see. They managed to screw it up from here, but. Uh, <laughs> Did you guys already cover Sting and his, the whole Sting direction? You guys already knocked that out. I know I missed, missed some of it. No, we haven't actually touched upon it. Go ahead, Rod. Do you want to uh, say something about uh, the no, direction I, I was, of, I just, of Sting? I want to ask you guys. I, I want to. I want to see where, where do you think this whole thing is going? Do you? I I, I must admit, you know, please don't kill me. Uh, I'm I'm out of the whole camp that. Better late than never with the whole sting taker something. I mean, I would love to see them. No, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Do you think? Do you? I don't want him to have a match against like I don't know, Rollins or or Bray or something like that. I mean, I I, I really would love. I was hoping that they would do like a big year long build up like they did with Rock and Cena, like a year long build up to Mania. Do you see anything like that happening? Do you see him kind of fading off and not really being included? Do you think it's over for him? What do you think is going on with with, with Sting at this point? I mean, Sting, what happened was was really interesting, kind of the way just they booked him. and Like, I think the idea is that Triple H had to win that match because they're trying to get wrong for his match with Rock, the Rock. At you know the that, next WrestleMania, is that Dallas. coming up? I think. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I would suspect. Okay. I think that's the logic behind it, and I think the idea of Sting. I'm very reluctant that that Sting's going to come into WWE and just do one match. 
I don't think the WWE benefits from that, and I don't think Sting wants to do that. If you remember the workhorse that Sting was in TNA, even at the the yeah. the, the the latter half of his career, like he he doesn't want to do that. He just does. So I think the idea of getting a long protracted angle with somebody where maybe he 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 has spots in the rafters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the classic Sting things where, where, so, you know, the WWE can sell more merchandise, actually, is a reality. It's just, I think it's, I think they'll do it. But it's just going to be interesting to see who they pair him up with. And it all, again, leads to WrestleMania in Dallas. So do they do that Sting WrestleMania in Dallas? Um, or do they do a separate Sting and a separate Undertaker match and sort of melt those two careers as much as they could, they can. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that. Uh, Jim, do you have any thoughts on this? Actually, Rodney, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. Thanks, man. Thanks no so problem. much for calling, though. Do you have anything else to say? No, that was great. Thanks a lot. All right, cool. man. Always Thanks, good hearing from you. Thanks, Jim. All right. Bye-bye. Nice young man Jim. calling the podcast. And, uh, Jim, wh- yeah, where sorry. do you think this thing thing's going? Yeah. Um, did I miss something on Raw or something? Did something happen with Sting this last week? I don't, I don't <laughs> no, no, nothing happened with Sting. No, you didn't. Miss, you didn't miss anything. It was a random oh, okay. question. I, I, I actually. No, no, no. It was a very random question. But I actually like that question. I, I want to know. I, I think Sting's a really interesting case. And I don't think we actually ever talked about what are they going to do with him, you know, during this year, during this long, long-term long build, if there is going to be a build. I mean, what's your prediction? Um, I don't know. I, the prediction that I – I mean, I just assumed they were just going to do Sting and Undertaker at WrestleMania next year. But – um. I mean, yeah, I'd like to see probably him. Probably, right? I thought he was. I thought he was great during the whole. I thought he was good in the match. I thought he was great during the whole Triple H buildup. Um, I'm not, and I'm not even I when they gave really him a mic when they let him do his sting thing. Right. <laughs> Instead of the voiceover thing they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, I thought he was good, and he he did everything he needed to do to set that match up, and. I thought he was good in the match. The finish and that entire match was, uh, well, we discussed that. I mean, that was just so out there. I, I don't know why it was booked that way. Or, I mean, other than the fact that we kind of discussed that Triple H, just to be a dick, has to win that match. Like, I don't <laughs> it's the only reason I could think of. I guess he's got to figure out another reasoning, which yeah. sounds logical. Um, no, I mean, like I just said, like excuse me, I think part of the reason, you know, it's still not a good reason that they're that they're trying to keep Triple H looking strong for The Rock. Right. I don't know if that's which I didn't even know was a thing until uh, just recently either. But I mean, I've I've heard that yeah. around. It makes sense. I mean, that would be especially with the way they did that Rousey thing. Um. <clears throat> uh, she was so hot. Right? How hot is Ronda Rousey, bro? <laughs> right. I have a feeling you're not being sincere when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to go. Oh, I wish uh, Rod was still on the line because we could ask him. Uh, as an M- He's an MMA fan, I guess. So I wanted to ask him about Ronda Rousey. Regardless, uh, uh, I'll move on. I'll, um. 
But the uh, right, but Sting, uh, what's he gonna do? I, I mean, I'd like to see him more. I'd like to see him do something at SummerSlam. I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, but it's tough to say. So I mean, either. you try to measure these guys' motivations. Like in my mind, he only had the limited date thing for the two or three months he was around. So maybe he doesn't want to do that much. Although you yeah. bring up a good point that he was a workhorse in TNA, so maybe he does. I, I mean, it's tough to say. I, yeah, it, the, the Sting thing, that's why I thought it was an interesting topic, because it's really tough to say. Like, I'm right. just suspecting, but, like, I just suspect, thinking from, like, a business standpoint, bringing him in, you know, for one match. Like, that that doesn't make any sense, you know? But, uh, JB, you, you being from Staten Island and myself being from Long Island, we grew up with... Uh, uh, many meatheads who would say something like, yo, Ronda Rousey's so hot, right, Jim? <laughs> I thought you were doing a familiar character. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I just find yeah. that particular uh, paradigm funny. Just uh, Like, yeah, she's hot, okay? But she has man arms and man everything. You know, man penis. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, she's not that hot. So calm down. Uh, JB, I we have know, another I call. Actually, I thought it was illegal to say anything bad about Ronda Rousey. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, it might be. I think you're right, actually. It's, uh, it's, oh, you know, she might kick my God, ass if I say this. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> is there any person more celebrated than Ronda Rousey? It's ridiculous. And she just also seems like a terrible person. No? <laughs> Like I don't want to hang out with Ronda Rousey at all. I don't want to. I don't want to bump her. She seems horrible, right? Uh, apparently, she's a big wrestling fan, though, which goes a long way with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it goes a long way with me too. Uh, JB, we have another caller. Maybe this is our one of our esteemed co-hosts. And uh, uh, caller, state your name and where you're from. Yo, Ronda Rousey's so hot. <laughs> And this is Chris. Chris is here. That is correct. Chris. Do you really think Ronda Rousey's hot? Um, She's hot when she has to make weight. And she, like, slims down a lot. But yeah, I heard your point about point. man arms, and I can't really argue with that. But that's a good point, though. Yeah, she's she's definitely hotter when she has to make weight, and she's all dehydrated and starving. Fighting for sandwiches. Yeah, she looks good on that uh, ESPN, like the body issue. Yeah, when it's photoshopped to the nth degree. I know. Or me being a Staten Island meathead, you know. (laughs) You're you're just saying, and I'm just replying. Chris, uh, thank you for calling in. Uh, our, our gracious leader. Please please take over this podcast. I can't, dude. I don't even know what you've been yet. talking about, so how can I take over? Not, good. You're, you're, the podcast is in good hands when it's in your hands, so we're, we're, we're okay. What, what, okay. What are you guys okay. been Well, we're just about? doing, right now, we're basically just doing a rundown of Raw, which we're going to, like, continue to do. And we just gave Go some general it. thoughts. The only thing we The only thing we basically hit on so far is the Ziggler Neville match. Um, I was saying that I love the way Neville works. Like he's he's got that high flyer pace, but he's also slow and methodical. Like he actually does wrestle. 
he put Ziggler in a headlock, and I was totally interested in what was going on at the match. Um, do you want to comment on that match? Uh, yeah, sure. No, that was a that was definitely a great match. Definitely, it woke me up out of uh, a stupor because I was about to fall asleep on on that show, and then uh, you know that match started, and it definitely woke me up. It was a uh, it was good stuff, and you know I hear people, you know, commenting, you know, on the internet, complaining that uh, you know this their favorite word that uh, that Neville's being buried. Because he lost, like I don't see yeah. that at all. I mean, they're putting him yeah, right in there with like the yeah. top guys on the card, and showing that he can hang. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do with somebody who just comes up. If you want to make them important, they're not supposed to come up and start beating top guys right away. Yeah, so I, I was fine with the way they did it, uh, and you know, yeah, you know, exactly, exactly what I expected out of a match from him. Great match, and and he's getting to work with the guys who I want to see him work with. You know, the Rollinses and the Zigglers. So, if if it was three hours of that, maybe I'd actually care about Raw more. Would you say the match woke you up? Definitely woke me up. That's very good, very good. And Chris, just to catch you up completely, do you want to um, uh, give your perverted, disgusting thoughts on uh, the Page and Bradley relationship on Total Divas? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've only seen bits and pieces of it, uh, but that guy was. That guy just seems like a real bitch. And that's all that's all I know. <laughs> Sorry. That's all I can tell. Spoken can as, spoken as somebody that that deep down there's some part of you that actually thinks you have a chance with Paige. Like that's where that hatred is coming from. Maybe. Maybe it's just jealousy. Um and we were also talking about how that Bradley guy, when they got into a fight it, that uh, and I think we've all been here. It doesn't matter how hot Paige is. I mean, how much money she could make in the future. As once Bradley realizes that uh, she's an annoying bitch, his brain just shut off, and you actually see the moment when he g- broke up with her and gave up on the relationship, and she's still going like a hundred miles an hour. If it is, is she annoying? I don't know. Or is she like the perfect woman in that she just wants to fuck? <laughs> and that's it. I don't know if that's my. She might be the perfect woman, not not annoying. Wow. And then when she just, you know, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know. And like, what, what was the big thing? I don't even really remember. You probably remember better than I do. Is that like because she got annoyed that he had been married before or something like that, right? I, I think, love how I, think, I, I love think how Shane kind of Shane kind of said it right. Wait, wait. wait. I love how Shane was kind of in agreement Shane. with you that he, she wasn't that annoying. But, I mean, I don't uh, think she's that annoying. I mean, like that's—I don't think she's that but annoying. To him, but I mean, after dealing with her hour after hour, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I like it bits and pieces. So, Jim, day after day, hour after but hour, us, he's you know, just, still he obsessed with her and would do anything to do it. Oh, but yeah, at the same time, dude, it's like, what do you expect out of a twenty-two-year-old? I like, love if you're, you know, if you're expecting loser. maturity out of your twenty-two-year-old girlfriend. There's something wrong with you. Chris is like, oh, I don't really know what happens, but in uh, season <laughs> seven, episode three, uh, at minute 15 and 31 seconds, he said that he was married before. He knows, like, her age, that she's 22. Well, Chris so knows well, exactly what she'll... Yeah, oh, I don't really watch. That has nothing to do with Total Divas, though, dude, to, to know how old she is. 
But uh, no, because they showed that clip on. Didn't they show that clip on Raw or something like that? I remember seeing it on Raw. Did they? I think they did, or like a commercial um, for it or something. I, you know, it might have just been the, in the commercial or something. Anyway, I don't know. This is um, another thing that I wanted to talk about uh, from Raw is War was the Daniel Bryan and Kane skit, which to me was absolutely atrocious and didn't make any sense whatsoever. But like, remember when Kane was trying to, I think like kill and run over Bree with a car or something like that. And then Daniel Bryan just forgets this. And like, then has like a friendly talk with corporate Kane, Jim, this, this, a bit in particular must have dis- disturbed you. Uh, well, that was like a kind of a throwback to them being a tag team and how they were friendly and they kind of had those little backstage things that were, that were actually good back then, I guess, right? Isn't that the idea? Um, yeah. <clears throat> I guess, it, I don't know. Apparently Daniel Bryan's hurt. I don't, anybody know this? I don't know what's going on with him. but um, I mean, he definitely hasn't wrestled. Oh, I did read weeks. something like that. I, I, I think he's on his way to having like his fourth or fifth championship strip from him. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, another segment in raw that didn't make any sense really. Um, and Kane was a big part of raw also, which, um, you know, he no was in every was segment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to decide if Big Show or Kane is the new X Pac Heat, but um, it's it's not going well either way. I would say Show. Yeah, I think X Pac Heat is exclusively reserved for X Pac because he was hated <laughs> at levels beyond hatred. But I know Chris was a fan of X Pac. Oh yeah, right? big fan. So what did you love, think of the I love, you know, I love X-Pac. So what did you think of the Kane DB segment? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I hadn't heard that Brian was hurt, but this is the second, I think, well, like second row in a row where he didn't wrestle. Uh, I was odd. I, 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 I see that, you know, the throwback to the tag team, but yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense that he's all, talking to him at all. And he even almost made like a, not a joke, but like referenced the fact that he tombstone him on stairs and, you know, his storyline almost ended his career. He's like, where's that guy that is going to kill people? It was just, yeah, it was weird. It was a, I feel like it was just a way to get Brian on the show, but Hello? I don't know why you don't have him wrestling. Hello? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, Rob, I'm supposed to introduce you. Jesus, can we get back to talking to 22-year-old girlfriends? Something I know about? Other than wrestling, sure. Tell us about everyone. R- Roberto's on the line. It took you long enough, Shane. I've been hit, sitting here for at least ten minutes. Well, we I don't know, know if the, really the phones can handle it. all these egos. We're the two realest guys in the podcast right now, though, right, Shane? Me and you. Oh, God, if only I was That's running it. the board tonight, I can price his right losing on your ass. All right, sorry for cutting you guys off. Chris, continue. I don't remember what I was saying. Neither does anyone <laughs> else. So can we talk about how bad Kane was on Raw? 
that's what we were talking about. We were about. actually just talking about that, yeah. Yeah, that's why I was trying to remind Chris. So, Chris, go ahead. Uh, Kane sucks, and the fact that Daniel Bryan didn't wrestle again is a travesty. He's hurt, right? I didn't hear it. This is the first time I'm hearing that, but I guess so. Okay, we're going in wild and The WWE was very upset with him because he hadn't been um, protecting his body enough in matches since his return, and I think that was leading to something about him being hurt and why he's been on the background of Raw. Uh, I'll, I'll throw a question out there because you guys probably know more about it, and then I'll be quiet. But also, didn't he have like the surgery to come back quicker? He didn't have like a traditional surgery. He had like a kind of a quick fix type deal. And uh, this is one of like the the real concerns they had about that type of surgery was that it's not a hundred percent. It's not a hundred percent cure. It kind of you know you still have lingering effects, and that was one of the big concerns. But. I don't know what specific of the surgery. He went to a witch doctor. He went to Mix Surgery Express. No, I, well, he's I, into I read those the natural healing things, right? He's not. He's kind of against Western medicine. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, I think Is he, that true? he went like the route of of Kurt Angle and Edge. Like he did the. Like the quick stop surgery, like the type of the type of uh, procedure where it's not like a full, where it's less recovery time, but you know the risks are a little bit higher for re-injury. But I, I just like saw a good chance you'll be inducted in the next year's Hall of Fame. Could be. Could be. Like an, he went to like an acupuncturist or something like that. Like that's that was his healing. <laughs> Ironically, the guy sitting next to me in my accountant's office today had uh, a full-on eight by eight and a half by eleven picture of an ear with like two hundred little red, yellow, and green dots, and he was studying acupuncture. Um, I think he might be Dr. Brian's doctor. I'm not sure. Uh, Shane, you like uh, <laughs> uh, mystical medicine, right? You're a big proponent of that. No, where'd you get that? I'm into uh, New Age spirituality, however. Yeah, I was, All right, I was let's talk about meditating the, on the beach in the morning. That's the uh, thing, right? It's true. Healthy, healthy, healthy mind, healthy body. Are you like what one of those say. people who can by... cure cancer with vegetables? Yes. Okay. Precisely what I am. So I won't ask you for any medical advice in the near future. Yeah, I don't know why you would. I'm not a doctor. Someday. Okay. Well, I, yes, we're all in agreement that uh, uh, Kane was terrible on Raw. Something else, another topic that I wanted to discuss on Raw was the interactions between uh, Rollins and Randy Orton. Um, I'm not sure how excited I am for this particular match at uh, Extreme Rules, especially with regards to the stipulations that were added. One of them, which is being there's no RKO's allowed, which is purposely banning the most exciting move in any Randy Randy Orton match. I don't understand that stipulation at all. It's like uh, having a NASCAR event, but um, uh, banning speeding or something like that. Like, it makes zero sense. 
Um, and I think the the angle of Orton Rollins is suffering considerably uh, for no reason. And I'm going to throw this to uh, JB. JB, what did you think of that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that stipulation. I don't know. It was a more interesting stipulation than a steel cage match. <laughs> that much, but um, yeah, uh, the Rollins. I mean, it was a pretty bad episode of Raw. Uh, Rollins. Um, I, you know, I think everyone kind of agrees he does a great job being the top heel. Um, and I think most of the reason why a lot of people think that is because he is trying to anchor the show with absolute garbage to deal with every week, uh, including <laughs> this one, especially that segment with Kane where he did the that the Kane putting him over thing. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're doing the best they can with it. I think it's purposely slow and kind of crappy just because um, – you know, they they plan on dragging it out and being the main event of probably payback after this because um, they love these, like, three-match arcs to fill time. Uh, but that's all it is. It's just, like, filling time, and they're they're doing what they can. They don't want to give away anything, like, week to week because they know they have to, like, fill the next week with something. So um, that's, that's what I think of it, basically. It does. It reminds me of that song, uh, that was popular in uh, college, JB, which was filling time, time for me to go out and get myself into the world. Uh, anyway, what Rob, did what did you think about start that um, one again? What did you start that lyric with? Because I believe that was completely the wrong lyric. Did you say filling time? Yes, that's a point, idiot. Isn't yeah, the song, Chris, isn't the, the joke went over your head, Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah, what podcast are you listening to in the background? A good one? Because then it wouldn't be us, and you would have missed it. Rob, what do you think about uh, uh, I think the stipulation is is a way for Rollins to win the match. I think they'll probably set up some kind of crazy spot where he tries to hit some move off the top rope, and Orton turns it into an RKO and gets disqualified. And that's kind of their out for Rollins beating Orton. You know, it kind of has a, like a loophole victory type deal. Um, that's my guess as to why they would uh, ban the RKO. I mean, the fact that they, they banned it means that it's they're going to talk. I'm sure you're gonna, they're going to mention it ad nauseum. Remember, our, uh, Orton can't use the RKO. I mean, at least, what's the overall number, the number of times they're going to mention that during the actual match? Um, and then he'll probably well, win somehow, maybe out of like a a moonsault or a phoenix splash or something off the cage. I think why, it would be like why would he hit it though? Like, if he maybe hit it, he's like out of, out of habit. I don't know, maybe out of habit. That's just my my reasoning as to why they do that. And the whole it's thing about cage matches now, the viper. Yeah, and the other thing about cage matches now, where you know it's obviously it's wrestling and, and, and spoiler, it's it's not real, it's scripted. Uh, you know, cage matches used to be used as like a blow-off for feuds, whereas, you know, it guaranteed there'd be no outside interference. When was the last time you saw a cage match that didn't have, you know, outside interference? You know, maybe it was probably a Cena-Wyatt uh, cage match where, you know, no one else was able to be involved. But yeah, there's my Oh, I know what it was. Ned, Ned Fland Enterprises. 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, the steel cage match, I think it could be okay, but um, the RKO, I think it's just a device they're going to use as a, uh, a selling point for a payoff and maybe a reason for having Orton, you know, not lose clean. Um, but then again, I think there's going to be outside interference as there always is. What do you think, Chris? Um, I think that a cage match is an easy way for them to have Rollins win without pinning Randy Orton. Uh, I think there's no way in hell that Randy Orton wins this wins this match or wins the title anytime soon. And I think uh, yeah, I should have the, asked uh, for predictions. Yeah, and I mean the whole Extreme Rules card sucks pretty badly. I think you uh, suck pretty badly. And how dare you offend my Extreme Rules matchup card? Your Extreme Rules matchup card? Well, I apologize. If you put this together, uh, then you suck as well. No, I know it's PG error, <laughs> but what would you guys... They actually did do... They, they keep saying it one night a year, we got Extreme. Um, they actually did have kind of like a one-night stand style, a one-night-only style, you know, uh, hardcore matches, not just with, you know, fake trash cans and, um, you know, low tables and, and breakaway furniture. Uh, what actual kind of matches would you put on, would you book for Extreme Rules? Or at least well, give me one, I guess, each of you. Chris, you can start. Well, I think, uh, and it doesn't look like so far that they actually have one. I just think one thing just to kind of start with is, to have an Extreme Rules match at Extreme Rules. That would probably make sense. But that doesn't seem to have happened this year. Shane? Uh, Well, the one thing that I would do is uh, the famous FCW uh, dry ice and piranhas in a coffin match, which actually existed. Uh, And it was brilliant. But anyway, I do like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the, you know, just the TLC matches. I always think those are great. So I'd want to kind of replicate that at Extreme Rules. But you're right, it's a PG area. So you can't show, wrestlers don't show any color. You know, they don't show, uh, they, they don't bleed at all like back in the day, which I don't know. I don't think is a terrible thing. But I think it's totally appropriate. I mean, just banning bleeding. I, I'm not going to lose sleep over tonight. But I think bl- blood is totally appropriate for the types of matches they're putting on. Like if they could, like for example, if Brian could have bled in, you know, not this year's WrestleMania, the one two years ago, I think it would have been totally great because then you paint the story of this hero, this warrior, you know, trying to beat Orton and Batista and Triple H, like, all on the same night. So I think bleeding totally adds to a storyline. But in the PG area, they also, it, you know, they remove that one angle. Uh, Jim, what do you think about uh, the uh, uh, the Extreme Rules upcoming match and Roberto's question? Yeah, well, the, 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 the timing of Extreme Rules used to kind of make sense because they – they used to, after WrestleMania, just kind of hold over a lot of the, the same storylines and just give you the same pay-per-view, except with Extreme Rules, then you had, like, the extra added, okay, well, they're going to add some weapons into it or whatever. <clears throat> I mean, we all know what's going to happen in most of these matches, but at least they would have added that into it. Um, but in the PG era, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like, dying for the hardcore style to be back, so... Um. <laughs> 
I think it's I think it's okay the way they're done. I, I don't know. The, the entire pay-per-view is going to be terrible. So I, I agree. Um, I would have Sheamus versus Dolph Ziggler in a, a kiss my arse match. Um, <laughs> oh damn it! You beat me to the punch. I was I, that, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. But in actuality, that's already been booked. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, they're trying totally to turn right. Dolph Ziggler into the next Billy Gunn. Uh, but uh, kind of going to what you said uh, real quick, Shane, I agree with you. I think, you know, it is theatricality. I think blood, you know, when used properly uh, goes a long way. You know, you think of Austin and Brett at WrestleMania, um, certain other matches where it, it helps out. Um, I, I, I'm not talking about, you know, CW style where people are, you know, blading, you know, five seconds into a match or like Sandman stuff, you know, fits certain characters, but... I would like it to be kind of like the same way they did ECW's one-night stand for the first couple of years, where they just kind of let the guys go out and do their own thing. You know, you have Sabu and Mysterio in a match where it just ends because the guys are killing each other for no reason. You know, it's and just kind of go like that, let them run loose, and, and not have to have, like what Jim said, you don't have to go hardcore all year round. And to be honest with you, even when, when WWE kind of integrated – uh, what they when they started calling it hardcore, you know, with like the the hardcore title and stuff, with Al Snow and Raven and Crush Alley, and, and that really wasn't hardcore. That was WWE hardcore. Yeah, it wasn't ECW. It wasn't um, really too extreme or really really violent. It was kind of more along the lines of cartoon uh, hardcore light, I guess. But what were you gonna say, Shane? I was just saying, yeah, it was cartoony. Like that whole phase, you know. Speaking as an ECW original that used to go to the uh, Elks Lodge and the Madhouse of Extreme Corona Queens, um, I piggyback what Jim just said. I don't miss the. I was a big proponent of the hardcore area. I don't miss it at all. I I hope it never comes back. I know that's not exactly what we're talking about, but I, I think that sort of ship has sailed. Like this ECW nostalgia is like. Good and done. I don't think we really uh, have a place for it anymore. I think wrestling has just grown as a performance art so much uh, past that. We don't really need to do that anymore. There's no um, no real suspense in it yet. Maybe we'll come back one day. But uh, but but yeah. I mean, uh, I, I I thought that was a very well put, gentlemen. Um, does anybody have anything else to say? Great. Well, one of the things I also wanted to bring up was um, uh, one of the things that we were talking about last week as we were rudely cut off by the machines, uh, probably Skynet, uh, that sabotaged our our podcast, Um, I blame Obama, was uh, uh, the WWE network in general. And just like sort of like having lived with the network for like a year now, you know, what we thought about it, what was in, in intentions and how did it uh, achieve those intentions in reality, if they did. Um, and I, I, and I just think, I mean, the network in general is just where the world is going, where media, like that sort of concept that each, entity like the NBA, the NFL, the WWE, 
the UFC already sort of has it. They're, they're sort of going along, but they they still believe they're going to generate a lot of their money off pay-per-views is this network type solution. Um, and I wanted to hear what you, your guys' opinion was after having a year of the network, how have you liked it and where do you think it's going? Chris, why don't you go first this time? Uh, I mean, I, I agree as far as the network being kind of where, uh, where the future is in this, uh, in this, I think, you know, they were smart to, to kind of get into it early rather than waiting. But, I mean, it's fine. It's always going to be worth the price of admission because of the pay-per-views, if nothing else. I mean, the programming is fine. They need to have they need to have more original programming, which they're starting to do, although <laughs> most of their choices like, uh, for original programming Jer- are not that good. Like Jerry Springer. And then the yeah, adult very, cartoon Very show. topical <laughs> in 2015. No, no one's hotter than Jerry Springer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the choices they, they've made Chris, are, was that uh, sarcasm in your voice? It was. It was, some <laughs> slight, it was a slight amount of sarcasm. Although I am excited that they're putting Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling on the network. Are they really the old cartoon? Indeed they are. That's unbelievable. I think I, think I actually heard that's... that there's some on there now already, but they're going to be putting more. Wow. Check that out. And, but I mean, uh, I mean, except for I mean, besides that, I mean, Diva Search, oh no, thanks. You know, the Jerry Springer thing is stupid. Uh, I mean, I actually want to see that like uh, Seth Green like Camp WWE thing. If it's anything like Robot Chicken, I actually would want to watch it. But that's maybe it. So I mean, but whatever. At least they're trying to put some new programming on there. And so, like I said, it's always going to be worth the price just for the pay per views alone. So. So it's fine, and 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 it's 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 doing it's doing better. You know, it's been doing well the last few months, and you know we'll probably continue to grow because unfortunately that is the future. I mean, pay per view and and just cable TV in general is a dying industry. So, I mean, I think yeah, you, you think it's been doing better over the last. I mean, it's doing the numbers are better over the last two months because they gave it for free for. Well, yeah, so, I mean, months. like the numbers are better, but like, yeah, I, I mean, they're smart in the way they structure, you know, the when they're going to report these numbers because, you know, they 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 do it at like peak points so that it looks like it's growing. But I mean, at the same point, it still is over a million subscribers, which at one point I didn't think they were even going to hit. So, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. It'll grow little by little. It's not. It wasn't going to be an overnight, you know, two, three million people on that thing. But, but whatever. And in the end, it's something you're going to have to do. You got to, you know, you got to start looking towards the future and getting away from the pay-per-view model and and cable television. So, because eventually it's going to be obsolete. A very uh, controversial and uh, doomsday-like comments from uh, Chris Vigilante. I think he's well, a I prepper. I say eventually. I a didn't survivalist mean like prepper. Um, I'm a JB, do you have any thoughts about... JB, do you, don't mind that um, crazy uh, doomsday prepper uh, squawking in the background. Uh, JB, do you have any thoughts on the WWE Network as its business model, as a resident of finance expert. WWE Network, uh, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what Chris said about just the network. It's, it's a, I think it's a good move for them long-term. It's a huge gamble. Um, but I think this is the way things are going to go. 
Um, these over-the-top services are going to be the way a lot of people watch content. So um, I think they're out ahead of the whole yeah, pay-per-view buying and all that stuff. Um, the actual, like, how WWE structures the network, I mean, I think, yeah, the pay-per-views are the main draw. And then um, as far as their original programming goes, the stuff that I, what I understand is they don't have the money to produce any good original programming. So that's why you get the crap that they've been mm. uh, promoting the last couple of weeks. Um, right. Which is very cheap and clip show type stuff. And uh, and the, the best thing, though, that they've done so far, I think, is the podcasts with, you know, Jericho and Austin. And that is cheap. And that's something they could produce. It's very interesting content. I mean, every one of them has been interesting so far. Um, so I think that's good. Um but I think that you know they're they're gaming the numbers to because that's the main thing the stock market's looking at. I think they've kind of figured out how to do that now over time, which at the beginning they definitely didn't. Um, but now, why won't the investors just realize they're gaming the numbers? Like the investors must realize that, right? I think maybe somebody who really analyzes it does, but um, there's a few a few things with WWE where. It's not all that right. in stock. So, and then a lot of people just kind of dismiss WWE as an investment to begin with because they're, you know, any non-wrestling person just hates wrestling. So, um, because but, we yeah, talk but about... also gaming the numbers is like a, a well-regarded tradition on Wall Street. So they don't find that. Oh, okay. <laughs> as long as the numbers come out good, um, you know, every company does it really. So, um but they, they've gaming the numbers they've, they've and actually uh, got some real growth, so so it's not all artificial. Gaming the numbers and sacrificing small children to Bezelbub are some uh, uh, time-tested Wall Street traditions, right, JB? <laughs> That's correct. Uh, Roberto, are you still there, yes, Roberto? I am. Uh, what do you um, think about about the network? Well, for those of you that don't know, um, I work in the cable television industry. Um, dare I say I work in sports entertainment uh, in the sense that uh, I work for a broadcast cable television uh, network or uh, rather channel uh, that has various international live feeds um, that showcases a lot of live sports uh footage as well as original content. And I think that kind of goes to What is this? Is this your your LinkedIn here? Just tell us what you think about the network. Come on. It's it's my CV. And uh you to continue without being really interrupted. Uh with what Go, Rob. I'm trying, Jane. Um when it comes to uh original content, um it it is hard, time consuming and it takes money to produce that stuff. At the end of the day, the WWE is still a traveling roadshow in a lot of ways. It's a circus where it has its main talent, on-air talent. Um, there's a lot of coordinating that goes on with that. Um, uh, there was a mention of these short clip shows where it's basically them recycling their original uh, footage, you know, and just shooting it out a different way, preparing it a different way. The thing about, uh, and I do deals every day dealing with OTT or OVD, IPTV, uh, in the industry, we call it non-facilities-based uh, uh, content. That means that it's 
not coming from a studio or being shot out of a satellite. It's over the top. And, and stuff like that, where it is the future, the one area where it's still, and, and to go to your point again about pay-per-views, live sports footage is something where people have to and always kind of want to watch it live. Wrestling, I guess we're kind of used to watching it on delay because it's something we DVR'd. You can get away without seeing it. But if you think about watching the Super Bowl or watching uh, the NBA Finals or something like that or the World Series, people, everyone watches that live. You know, a lot of wrestling people don't go out to a bar or a restaurant or have you know and watch it on delay. They watch it live. So it's a weird mix of of live content like the pay per views, which are the big selling point, and original content where they're lacking. So I agree with you guys in saying that, sure, the main attractions, the pay-per-views, just like Raw is live live on cable, uh, the the original content has to improve. Um, And it can't kind of just be this willy-nilly, whitewashed, MTV recycled type of show. You know, when do we get a jackass show on WWE? When do they have a cartoon show on WWE? I'd like to see them get more involved with WWE Studios to an extent. Just, I mean, I don't, I've never seen the movies. I don't like them, but there's a lot more they can be doing. And I think the last year, after the first year, that's something that they that they want to do is kind of get more original content. The way they're going about doing it with Jerry Springer and you know, when Tom when is Tom Green? Would remember about GTV? You know, that's that's the next thing. I think they're they have the right intentions. I don't know if they're carrying it out the right way. I guess time will tell. What do you think, Shane? Hello? What do you think, Shane? <laughs> Shane? Did we well, lose our is host? It just, is it just me and you? <laughs> Maybe. Oh. I think I could hear Shane. Tim is still here, but uh, no. Oh, you are. Shane. We only lost Shane. Yeah. yeah you think, think we're still recording or no? Wait, how can we have lost Shane? He's the guy who's recording the thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably outside smoking a cigarette or something. Maybe he. Uh, maybe he's protesting uh, your uh, your viewpoint, Rob. Like that's very that's- possible. And there's no way for us to know whether this is still recording either because he's the one that has the computer in front of him. He's probably trolling us. I mean, it is a he shame. Maybe. I did that to you once. Remember where I just stopped talking for like 10 minutes? I didn't notice. What so, guys, you want to, in the interest of uh, saving our time and sanity, you want to uh, hang up and end this discussion? I know I joined late. But, uh, I was a little busy today. Uh, well, maybe, or we can just keep talking and hope that it actually is recording. <laughs> I highly doubt that it's recording. If it is, it makes for horrible. I mean, to make, not to say that our other podcast. No, 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 no. You know what? Because if he hung up right and it cut the feed, it would hang up on us. Yeah, it's like last week where this happened. Well, not exactly the same way. Like, how would we still be talking to each other if there wasn't? Yeah, something? and then I'm I'm not convinced that last week actually ended until he hit the buttons. <laughs> I, mean, he, I, I, I think he was mistaken last week that it wasn't recording anymore, but I don't know. I didn't listen to it, so I don't know. Let me ask you if it's in the next time. I don't know. Let's, uh, I mean, we'd only have another, like, what, like like 20 minutes or so of, of time anyway, so 
we can keep talking. If not, we're just having a friendly conversation. I'm but sure I don't we see how we can still be linked to, to the number because we're all, we're all linked to that number. So if it hung up... No, no, I just called in. I'm back. I'm back. What happened? Oh. I just... Oh, I got disconnected. Shame how can you get disconnected? You're the host. <laughs> yeah, you obviously don't know anything about technology. How's that? Because we're all connected to the console, not actually the host phone number. I didn't call you from my private line and conference all you in. Okay, Like buddy. some weirdo. The files are in the computer? <laughs> all right. So, uh, what, what were you guys talking about? Can I, can I bring up another topic? Please sure. Do. Okay. I watched actually every minute um, uh, of New Japan invasion attack. Oh, thank God um, you didn't say TNA. Oh, no. I, I could say TNA, but uh, we'll get to that at, at a later time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll talk about that. But, and after watching that uh, uh, that entire show, you know, I, there's so many good matches. Like, even matches that were supposed to be bad. Like, Okada Bad Luck Fale was, like, a great match. Like, a clinic on how to work with, like, a big guy, like a Brodus Clay or or something like or Albert or something like that. I mean, just uh, great matches up and down the card. But I have one conclusion, a very bold prediction, and that's what the fans are used to here on the Barbershop Window podcast, bold, stupid predictions. Um, Just by watching that show, watching, you know, even some of the lead-up videos and reading some some of the articles and just seeing how it all ended and kind of getting a feel for the energy that's brewing in Japan, my prediction is that WrestleMania two years from now, not next year, the year after, wherever it is, will be headlined by AJ Styles. Um, And I think we are watching right now the late rise of an international superstar. I mean, that that crowd in, in New Japan, they were there for AJ Styles. He's, without AJ Styles, there's no card. He's a huge money draw right now in Japan somehow. I don't know how, but he's drawing a lot of money, and there's a lot of interest in him, and he's still playing that heel role. The fans are behind him, sort of like like he's – I think I see just – I see him headlining Wrestle Kingdom this year and then back in WWE in the following year just because he's going to be too bright of a star to ignore. And – uh I'd like to pass that juicy tidbit, that juicy talking point around to the the panel. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. Uh, Well, I mean, I agree that Styles is great and that he's drawing huge money right now and that he's a big, you know, he definitely became a big draw really quickly over there. Um, I couldn't disagree with you more about him going to the WWE. That's not happening. Uh, The guy's like 30, almost 30, what, 7, 38. He's not. They're not picking him up at that age. It's just not happening. Uh, yeah, because they didn't pick up thing. like a fifty-nine-year-old this year. He's 50, okay. Whatever you say, buddy. 
But the, but but as no, far as they picked up Sting, they they're constantly picking okay, up old dude, talent. I, what do you mean? It's different. Are, you, are, 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 are we going to compare? Are we really going to compare the two? They didn't pick up continue, Sting. Continue. He had one match, man. There's a difference. There's a difference, but on, one, but yeah, no. I mean, the card was great. I agree with that. The uh, the finish to the uh, main event, which Styles and uh, Kota Bushi was amazing. Uh, you know, while when we were doing the WrestleMania review a couple of weeks ago, and I remember we were uh, talking about the Randy Orton Seth Rollins match and how awesome it would have been if, but how unbelievably impossible it would have been for like an, a Phoenix splash into an RKO. I mean, they did something similar on this show where the ending of that match was a, a, a Phoenix Flash caught in midair into a Styles Clash. So, pretty amazing stuff, but uh, I don't expect much less from New Japan. They really are, you know, they have been on fire the last, you know, year or two. So, so I agree with you on everything but the fact that Styles is going to be in the WWE. I mean, that's the whole point of my bold prediction. Otherwise, I'm just saying the most obvious stuff in the okay, world. Okay, well, I disagree AJ with your Styles bold prediction. Good. And I am saying that it it will definitely happen. So that's my retort to you, uh, Jim. What do you think about my bold prediction? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> I actually when uh, I had heard AJ Styles went to New Japan, um, I, I only started following New Japan like last year. Mostly because you guys um, and watched the G1 climax got into it, and then recently just more into it lately with all the English commentary and stuff and getting to know the product a lot better. But um, yeah, and, and it's and, you know you want to talk about like looking for an alternative to WWE, you can't get really any better than this. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, when I heard that AJ Styles went to Japan, I thought, oh, well, that's great because I don't get like the stink of TNA off of him. And that'll make it so that he could transition into WWE. But now that I kind of know the New Japan product and seen him in it, like I just don't see any reason why he would. I mean, he's he's you know he's an international superstar already. Um, unless he's been like dying to go to WWE for some reason, we don't know his motivations. Um, I can't imagine any reason why he'd even bother. He's you know going to headline the big shows out there, and he's just as big a star as he would be here, I think. So um, I don't think it's going to happen. My thing, I just think he's going to be so big and hard to ignore that the WWE is going to throw money at him. Like, I think think the point is the WWE is going to go from not even taking his interview to begging him to headline WrestleMania. That's my point. I think it's going to be a huge dramatic shift from what it was to what it is. Uh, Roberto, do you have anything to say? Uh, I agree with the other people other than you. Uh, while I'd love to see a Rollins-AJ Styles match, um, maybe even like a benefit, you know, like WWE Champion versus New Japan Champion. Never going to happen, fantasy booking. But like you said in the past, uh, I think they made him some kind of ridiculous low-ball number, you know, offer to come to WWE where... He was getting money, I think, in TNA, but the money he's making now internationally is nowhere near what it's what the WWE would offer him or what they offered him in the past is nowhere near what he's making now in Japan and can continue to make and live a comfortable life. 
Um, like you said, he's older. He's got kids. He's got his own name tattooed on his own body. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy has less things to care about in this world. You know what I mean? Um, his age too. I don't think he fits in. Uh, I know what you're saying, Shane. I understand like your idea of like, well, if he comes, he's so he's getting so good, he's being so big that it's going to draw attention to him. I don't understand what the whole Samoa Joe thing is, too. I, I kind of don't know where that's coming from. Like, why the WWE is interested in him? Uh, maybe he's an NXT talent or something like that. But as far as styles, I, I, I don't see that happening at all. Sorry. I know where you're coming from, though, buddy. Well, the only thing that is kind of realistic about it, maybe, is that, um, I mean, I don't think anyone would have seen Kenta jump into WWE. But he was, you know, he was as big a star as he could get in Japan. And then he did it because. You know, I guess he wanted to do it, and WWE went out of their way to go get him. So maybe you have the same formula, but only uh, only if AJ Styles like really wanted to come, I could I could, could I see it. Yeah, I, mean, I read they had some interest in Okada at one point uh, last year, just because you know he's uh, not a typical Japanese wrestler in the sense where he's actually like a decent size, he's tall, he can work, you know, he's charismatic, uh, he, he's sellable. Um, uh, but they're, what they're he doing looks with, like an American uh, prick. Uh, what they're doing now with Tommy, I'm sure you guys saw it. They documented his amazing WrestleMania debut, where he was in this no nonsense, uh, who cares battle royal, you know, and they documented it like it was a huge crowning achievement. Um, but something because I think they, I read somewhere they had you know twenty twenty press people from Japan there. You know, it was more of a trying to get global reach um, with uh, a Japanese wrestler. You know, it's another reason why they, I guess they inducted a Japanese wrestler into the Hall of Fame. Uh, there really hasn't been. Who's Who's been the in the last 20, 25 years, who's been the most visible uh, WWF, WWE Japanese talent other than uh, Hakushi or Takamichi Noku? Or uh, who was the other guy from Kakai and Tai? I mean, I hope I hope Kenta uh, or Hideo Itami, as he's now known, um, does well. I get the feeling that he's not going to really transition over out more so than he already has out of NXT. But I'd like to see it, but I just don't see it happening uh, based on they the past. They had that the choppy. Record. Who is that choppy, choppy your PP group? That was kind Tai. Yeah. That was kind Tai? Man, that was yeah. the best thing ever. Yeah, it was Funaki. When they and chopped Taka off Val Venus's dick. No, they didn't. His <laughs> sword broke because his penis was so hard. Uh, that just reminds me of how great the attitude error was. Great, great stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was seen was so ridiculous. How did that exist at one point? They were like they were like holding him the up and in the shower. Yeah, and they, they, like they announced that they the were <laughs> they announced that they were gonna chop off his dick after the match. They're like, okay, for <laughs> beating us. And didn't he we're like change your penis? Bring in. Was it choppy choppy pee pee? What what was choppy, it? Choppy choppy your pee pee. Didn't didn't he bring in like John Bobbitt as like in his corner? Yeah, like, John Wayne his... Bobbitt like a. a he actually appeared on Raw, I think. <laughs> no, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. 
Um, Rob, what were you talking about? Japanese wrestlers. Uh, no, we're talking about AJ Styles, and then the only wrestler I can really see making it uh, is Okada, I guess. I mean, Nakamura obviously has like all the skill, but I don't know if he transitioned well to WWE ring. Oh, I dude, that, that could be a start anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree, but WWE could also ruin a lot of people. All right, so. Chris, <laughs> calm down. Negative Nancy over here. What, what you, how's that negative? I'm saying he could be a star anywhere. I'm saying he would do well in WWE. I don't know how well he'd do in WWE. He he has like that skinny rail frame. Like he, I I'm not sure if the He's crowd would the react guy. to him. Okay, like that all right, whatever. I'm not getting into an argument about this. There's no, I hope he would. JB does does Nakamura get over in the U.S. <clears throat> I just uh, I think it's again like there's just no chance that'll ever happen. He's just such a big star over there. Why would he? Already leave, but um, <clears throat> I don't Daniel know. Bryan, Okada could come here. Uh, uh, Okada, I think, is definitely a little more American style audience. I mean, more he kind of reminds me of The Rock for some reason. But um, um, I don't, I, I'm wondering if Atami can get over to. I like that video, like he could, but um, he, <laughs> there's like that overwhelming thing where you you know kind of the WWE is a little bit racist, and WWE audiences are definitely a little racist. A little bit. <laughs> I feel like it's like getting a little better, but uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big hurdle. I mean, <laughs> uh, maybe it is a big hurdle. I think the O'Connell was in a CMLL too. He he's already a traveler. Like I could see him coming back here to the WWE. Yeah. He was in your favorite promotion, Shane. He was in the TNA. Yeah, but they made him Kato, like, based because it was a green oh, hornet movie. Okado. Oh, <laughs> Let's not go there. But um, just to, to, to finalize the discussion on this topic uh, that I led astray, I think that the big thing is, well, Vince is always in charge. Uh, and I think why they're bringing these guys and putting them in NXT first is because Vince has always been, no matter what anyone says, he he made the guy. He wants to be the guy that says, look, I made him a star. You know, maybe that's why a lot of guys over the years that have been brought out, brought brought in after already being big names, you know, they might have had a title or something, but they were never given the the, the rocket strap to the back, uh, moon moonshot push that guys like The Rock, um, that Vince was instrumental in creating. I still think even call it being out of touch or whatever the, the popular IWC lingo is of the day, I think he's more about developing the, the that's why they changing everyone's names besides just having ownership rights of the of the IP. I, I think he really believes in building and having a hand in building wrestlers and making them stars. Um so that's all I got to say about that. Well said. Yeah. Shane, what else you got for us? Well, one other thing that I thought was worthy of discussion uh, to, uh, tonight on the Barbershop Window, Window podcast was 
the some of the new developments that are happening in TNA right now. L- let me just take a guess. How many people here saw uh, TNA this week? Crickets. I watched. Uh, I actually did watch a little bit of it because you told me we we're having a podcast in half an hour, so I fast forwarded through it. <laughs> Went to a strip club. Very good. <laughs> um, some of the things that are very good on TNA right now are they have uh, many stables and many factions, but these factions, I think they're doing the stable thing better than any federation organization has done it before. They're not letting any of these factions and these stables getting too overwhelming. They're not like taking up a whole part of the of of the the program. There are no like center or like of these factions that are centralized with the quote unquote authority. Like there's there's nothing like that right now. Like they're both just rival fractions that have their own ideals and, and, and motives. Um, like the Beatdown Clan, they're like the roughneck, like thug group of TNA that that are after sort of power and dominance, you know, to get the title. Then there's the Rising, which is a group with uh, uh, Drew Galloway and some other former uh, NXT stars, actually, one of them being Camacho, uh, Haku's son. And they're, uh, they're about, you know, bringing wrestling, like, back to the people. And, uh, you know, like a populist movement. And these, these 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 factions fight each other without you know like stakes of the company on the line like the like you always see that with the factions group like the entire company and the 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 direction of raw is on the line in these matches but they're doing it uh i mean just uh really well um some of the highlights being uh mvp who i think is always golden on the mic and always just a good to listen to. Uh, Drew Galloway is there, the former chosen one from the WWE, who's, uh, you know, looks a lot bigger and is just, um, you know, compared with the TNA talent. Um, I just think it's been such a refreshing uh, look at new, at the new wrestling, new wrestlers and uh, some wrestlers that have been disregarded in the past. And there's some real highlights to that whole uh, program. Um, and I doubt anybody has anything to say about that. Does, does anybody want to touch upon Real quickly, I'll just say that I was never a fan of faction. I was never a fan of factions. The whole remember there was uh, there was DOA, there was a Nation of Domination, there was all these kind of factions and the WWE created. I think a lot of times factions and stables are are, are put together because people can't work individually or don't have the talent to all work uh, by themselves. I think that's also makes up the tag teams nowadays. I think uh, I don't regard the authority as a, as a as a faction. I mean, I don't like the fact that in rea- in one way it is, but I don't like the fact that it's the centerpiece of WWE programming for two years. I think what the WWE did do right was with the Shield and the Wyatts, because especially because they were new people and it introduced them and it kind of built them into what they are today. Uh, I thought those factions were good. As far as TNA, I don't watch it, so I can't speak to it directly, but I get the feeling that it's kind of grouping, a lot of times it's grouping people together because they don't know what else to do with them uh, and not any kind of real reason behind it. But Shane, I, mean, I don't watch it, so 
if you say it works and you say it's refreshing and good, um, it's an interesting opinion. And the last thing I'd like to bring up, maybe this will sort of round out our conversation uh, tonight, is uh, uh, this is the barbershop window will get a little historical here. We won't so much talk about current events, but just another topic that's um, uh, something that I thought of that uh, I'd like to bring up to the panel. And that is how under and this is coming from somebody that and Roberto can back me up on this hated this group when they first arrived on the scene. I thought they were complete poser ripoffs of uh, some of the ECW stars like Sabu and RVD in particular. They weren't really working for what they. I, I thought that one of them, you know, hid behind the shadow of the brother and wasn't really working with exactly what Rob was talking about. Like they were kind of like a manufactured tag team. Um, but one of the guys that I always thought really went underestimated and just watching him from TNA brings back the memories. But if you really think about Jeff Hardy's career, and this comes from someone that never liked him when they first, he really was, I think you can't really overstate his importance to the generation that he was a part of and the wrestling era, era that and the era that he wrestled in, speaking pretty specifically to the WWE. But I think he was sort of like the, just like such a reliable workhorse to give you like match after match. Like he was really like the, the sort of the Mick Foley of the ruthless aggression era in a sense that, I mean, he just made star after star. I think without Jeff Hardy, you wouldn't have the strong CM Punk run. You wouldn't have these, um, you know, the other stars that benefited from his work in the ring and being, you know, that um, that kind of natural face that can connect with the crowd somehow. And he was all, as his phrase uh, goes, the charismatic enigma. He was all charisma. I mean, you just had that thing that wrestlers would love to have that they either try to garner through the mic or through the ring, but he just had that factor before he even set foot in the ring. Um, and there he is still in TNA tearing it up every night. Um, I just think a very underrated career, somebody that doesn't get enough credit. Well, I'll pass this around. Uh, Chris, what do you think about that? Um, I think I don't watch TNA. I really can't comment on anything that goes on with it. Did you even listen to what I was saying? Uh, honestly, I dozed off. <laughs> okay, uh, Jim. What do you, well, Roberto? We'll start with you. What do you think about what I just said? Listen for the sounds of snoring. Roberto. <laughs> wakey, so we wakey. Have two people. That don't care. No, no. Well, I care Jim, about your what do you think Shane. about? Um, you weren't even listening, <clears throat> asshole. I really listen I to Jim. Then you can comment. Not because you were boring me. I thought at the beginning of your intro when you were talking about a team from the past that uh, had like natural charisma on it. 
that um, you know no longer exists. I thought you were talking about how Kid and Cesaro got buried, uh, losing clean to Orton and oh, yeah. on Monday. But uh, oh yeah, uh, that was a ridiculous handicap match we did not discuss. Yeah, but um, uh, you you mentioned this whole Jeff Hardy thing to me before. Um, I, don't, I I was never that big a fan of him. I don't know if it's like his that whole kind of that whole like music scene he kind of represents. Like I just don't identify with it all. Um, had a little to do with that, but um, he was always you know he was part of that like Attitude Era, those you know big time ladder matches they had. I mean he was you know a huge part of that, and some of his career probably got taken away from from him. They had that kind of style going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what else can you say about him? I mean, uh, yeah, I think the thing you you want to, yeah, if CM Punk was still around, I think CM Punk would say that he owes Jeff Hardy uh, a good good part of his, um, uh, you know, how he got built up through the WWE. That rivalry he had with Jeff Hardy was. Um, really put him on another level. Um, but that was all also... Yeah. Like I don't think CM Punk... Thing along. Heyman was guiding that yeah. whole thing along, though, too. So, you know, I don't know. You want to give credit to there. But, um... Yeah, that's yeah I mean, I don't... I don't know. I was never that big a fan of his. I mean, I get... I get what you're, I get what you're saying, but... Chris, any further thoughts? About Jeff, now are we t- so now we're talking about Jeff Hardy. Is that what I missed? We, yeah, we were always sort of talking about Jeff Hardy. This part you fell asleep. Um, I mean, the guy, I mean, generally, I mean, I guess he can still, you know, from what I've seen, I haven't seen much of him lately because, as I said, I don't watch TNA. But, uh, I mean, he seems like he still, do, you know, he still can do a good, you know, good job. It's, it seems like he finally turned it around. He's not a drug addict who's messing up matches anymore. Uh so that's good. But uh and I I, I agree not that uh CM Punk owes uh Jeff Hardy like you know, his career or anything like that, but I mean those the the, the few that they had in oh nine definitely put on the map. So so he he you may want to pass a little thank you to Jeff Hardy. I don't think Punk would ever thank Jeff Hardy. Did did you hear that latest uh did you read that latest interview he did? When he was just not. like bashing wrestling, like saying, Well, it's not really matter if you're and just with the arrogance in which he delivered it, like or since I read it, <laughs> I didn't imagine the imagined arrogance I'm sure he delivered it in when he, he was just talking about how well, what's it matter if you're the best fake wrestler? It's a fake world that doesn't mean anything. Oh, I'm sorry, asshole. The the fake world where you made millions of dollars that afforded you this luxury to go on your midlife crisis fight? Like, I'm sorry about that. He's such a dick. I hate CM Punk. Well, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, the guy's obviously pissed off at, the business because of, you know, everything that happened to him. So I'm much, I'm sure it's not all coming, it's not all arrogance. I think it's, you know, bitterness and anger at, like, the company. So take it with a grain of salt. Well, let me ask you, do you take it with a grain of salt? You're a dick. Just curious. 
Jim, what did you think about that CM Punk article? Did you read it? Actually, no, I don't. I don't know what you're talking. I mean, it sounds like something you would say. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a very annoying article. That is very, it would be a very convenient thing for him to say now that he's to promote that he's in MMA. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, we come at it from like two different because I know we kind of talked about what we think about CM Punk. I mean, I love CM Punk, and I thought he was. Really, he's like the thing that got me back into wrestling. I just thought he was very good at storytelling and all the things that kind of WWE just lacks for uh, before that and like now to some degree. Although that like Rollins has done a good job of kind of replacing him. But um, I mean, yeah, his attitude is terrible. And then you, you look at the <laughs> after the career stuff now. Um, yeah, and I'd be pissed off too with some of the stuff that happened to him. But um, it's—I don't know. I, I have very mixed feelings on him because I thought I thought he was—I thought he was going to really. There was a time there around you know two three years ago where I thought they were really building something in WWE that was going to be like credible at this point. And now that he's gone, right. Brian's hurt and all that. Um, none of that's really panned out, and now he's gone, and now he's just a dick so <laughs> yeah yeah Chris any thoughts on uh, CM Punk I know you love him uh, my only thought is that Ronda Rousey is really hot <laughs> I summed up perfectly a great way to end this horrible podcast um, which we'll do right now since we we're, we run out of time um, thank you to all our fans. Thank you, Rod, for calling in. Um, thanks to everyone that downloaded the podcast. Continue to uh, support us. Uh, Chris, do you want to give the the, sh- the shout-outs and everything? Uh, sure. Uh, my normal email. email address and whatnot. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at IMC Vigilante. Uh, Rob is at Zanzanator. Shane is at, at Shane Winter 14. You can drop us an email, barbershopwindowpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, as always, just keep listening uh, and keep supporting us. And we'll try to put on better shows than this. And uh, Jim, if you want to, <laughs> JB, if you want to go uh, uh, tell us your Twitter, unfortunately, I don't have that one memorized yet. So go ahead. That's all right. It's uh, at uh, just Jim Carr. Back to you, Shane. What a night, boys. We did it again. We very successful. Uh, uh, does anybody have final any final thoughts uh, for the evening? Because I Make don't. Raw better. Yeah, I mean that's a good one. The, the first thing I was complaining about all night. Just how sorry the sorry state of Raw. So um. But yeah, good night, everyone. Good night, Jim. Uh, Good night, Chris. Good night, my man. All right, guys. Take care. All right.